Sports fans, it's no secret that working in the front office of a professional sports team is an extremely sought-after job. If your dream is working in sports and a career you love, a master's in sports business from Concordia University, Irvine, can make it happen. Whether as an agent, analyst, in the front office, or as a sports media pro, you can get your degree in less than two years. This program is second to none. Listen to legendary agent Lee Steinberg. If you go to Concordia, get the master's. They have a network of people that can help you succeed professionally and the skill set to make sure that you're a major success in sports business. The spring two session starts on March 4th. There are six start times a year and new students get $1,000 off. Want that Concordia diploma on your wall and your life will be a success. College grads, don't wait. Enroll for the March 4th Spring 2 session now at cui.edu slash sports. cui.edu slash sports. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at chumpacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. From local basketball standout to playing professionally overseas, our next guest returned home to be a CIEF Coach of the Year, athletic director at one of the most successful schools in Southern California. So the last 15 years as Assistant Commissioner of Athletics at the CIF Southern Section. He is Reiner Wolf, and he joins us now on Episode 54 of the Masters in Coaching Podcast. Let's go! Well, welcome into Episode 54. That's right, Episode 54 of the Masters in Coaching Podcast, and very excited to talk to this week's guest, a former basketball standout, played professionally overseas in Australia, longtime teacher, a coach, twice named the CIF Southern Section Coach of the Year at Tribuco Hills High School. He's in the Southern California Interscholastic Coaches Hall of Fame. He spent a decade as the athletic director at Tribuco Hills High School. In 2008, he took over as the assistant commissioner of athletics in the CIF Southern Section. And since 2009, He's been a part of the Masters in Coaching Athletics Administration program, teaching classes in the program at Concordia University, Irvine. He is Reiner Wolf, and he joins us now here on the Masters in Coaching podcast. How you doing, sir? Good, Tim. Thanks for having me. This is uh, this is awesome. Thank you for joining us. First off, uh, here we are. It's the the end of the winter sports season. You got basketball playing and state championships, and, and the sports are winding down. Spring sports are a couple weeks in. Uh, how are things right now at the CIF Southern Section? Everything's going well. We wrapped up uh, basketball finals last weekend, so we had 20 finals in uh, three different venues, plus the Honda Center, where we had the Open Division and the Division One uh, Boys and Girls Championship Games. So it was a very successful final season. It had great turnouts, great games, uh, the types of championship games you want to have. And it was great. Uh, for the last two years, we've been at home sites because of, of COVID restrictions. So this was the first time that we were able to get back to hosting events, which is what we enjoy doing, what we feel we do best. And, and to get back to the Honda Center was uh, was awesome. We probably had oh nine ten thousand 10,000 for the Open Division uh, championship games. So that was, uh, that was a, a great finish to the basketball season. Now we roll into the spring. Uh, I do track and field and boys tennis. So it's, it kind of overlaps. They're already going and we're still kind of finishing up the state stuff in basketball, but, uh, everything's going well. 
we got a lot to get into as far as how you got into education and coaching and teaching and, and why you continue to climb that ladder to the position that you're at now. You're going to be retiring in a couple of months. You've been in education and teaching and uh, high school sports for, for many decades now uh, and going to retire coming July. Uh, when you think back in your final few months here as far as your run from, from when you stopped playing to getting into coaching and teaching and to where you're at now uh, at the CIEF, what comes to mind? What do you think about over – what do you reflect on? Well, I think the, the first thing are the, are the students, uh, student athletes and students I have. I was a history teacher for many years, and I taught physical education the last few years. But uh, the, the students I had, the, the players uh, and athletes I was uh, lucky enough to coach – uh, over the years uh, from when I was a rookie back in 1985-86 at University High School in Irvine and I was coaching uh, Pat Farrell you might know his brother Will uh, Will was our was I was the assistant varsity coach and Will was on our team and I coached the freshman team also and Pat was on the team so I started off coaching the Farrell boys and then rolled over to Tribuco Hills when I given the opportunity for my first varsity coaching job and I was fortunately there for many, many years, but I, I learned a lot over the years. You know, I, I, I came out of uh, playing at UCI and playing overseas thinking I knew everything. And I quickly realized I didn't. Uh, I, I did a master's degree program as well, but Concordia at that time was known as Christ College of Irvine. It wasn't even Concordia at the time. Uh, it was a different university, had a master's in physical education. So I when I did that program, I... I did it with my basketball program in mind. And then when the MCA program came around, it was like, this is exactly what I tried to do way back when, when I got my master's degree and they've taken it to such a, a height with the MCA program. Uh, and I've been fortunate enough to teach the basketball class. Um, but I always had that in mind because a lot of the, the, the things that coaches tend to do is they keep everything in their head uh, as they're coaching. They don't, they don't commit to paper their philosophies or their drills or their, uh, you know, their mentors or lessons that they learn. They, they, they try to pack it in their head. And, um, you know, I, I really think it's important for coaches to commit to paper those types of things and then to reevaluate that all the time, because that's, that's how you grow in whatever profession you're in, whether it's coaching or anything else is, is realizing where you are, what you do, but understanding that there are other ways and better ways to do the things that you like to do. And so through the MCA program, I've been able to stay involved with teaching, uh, even though I'm here at the Southern section office, because when I left the high school, I left, I lost the students too, but then I was quickly able to, to come back into it, which has always been my passion. I've, I've uh, came into this to be a teacher and, um, it's just been fortunate that the, the my pathway into being an assistant commissioner was uh, just kind of opened up for me. Uh, I've always been one who, who uh, wanted to get involved in leadership of whatever I was involved in, whether it was the Coaches Association, um, SCIBCA, uh, where I was on the board and I was a president for a few years. And then I, I got involved in the Orange County Athletic Directors Association when I became an AD and um, was on their board, was their president. And then it just kind of evolved into this. And I, I've been very, very lucky, very, very fortunate with the, the people I've worked with, as I mentioned, the students, but it's also the, the, the people I've met, I've met, the mentors I've had, the colleagues I've had to, been able to work for and work with. And, and here at the Southern Section Office, it's a, it's a 560 school section. So there's a lot of those people. So I, I just feel very fortunate to have, have my passion be my career. We're going to get into to your mentors and maybe some of the people that helped kind of mold who you were as a coach and as a teacher and administrator. But I want to go back to that decision um, when you got done playing 
and you thought, okay, what am I going to do now with my life? And you mentioned you wanted to get into teaching and coaching. Why? What, what was it that you wanted to, to all of a sudden get into that or, or you had a plan to get into that? What, why? Well, you, when you, you play a sport, you always want to play as long as you can. And so that was always my goal was to play as long as I can. So when I, I finished up my, my career at UCI, I played for Bill Mulligan there. Uh, Bill was a new coach at the time, had come to UCI and brought a bunch of us from junior college and some, some high school uh, players as well. We were very successful. Um, and then I, uh, in, in hanging around the coaches and talking with people, I just realized you know, that this, this is a pathway of, you know, staying involved in something that I've I've always, even when I was a little kid, I always read the, the sports pages and I would go to the high school basketball tournaments and the, the local high school football games. I just loved high school sports. And I knew all the players before I was in high school, who were the best players. And I, I ran into these people over the years and I'd say, you know, I remember coming to the Covina tournament over Christmas time and Bill Walton was playing and, and, and these other people that I've, I've come in contact with and and but I was just a little kid and so it was just it, it kind of is it's always what I liked I, I was I was the Vince Scully kid who would go to bed with my little transistor radio with the earpiece in and during the football season it was uh, Dick Enberg was doing the Rams and then we had Chick Hearn doing the Lakers and so I my parents from Germany so they they really didn't have a background in 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 high school athletics or sports but they were always so supportive and they, they allowed me to, to, to expose myself to, to every sport I wanted to play. And, and um, it was funny cause I was five foot, my freshman year in high school, I was five foot six and the rest of my family was all really tall. And they all say, hey, you're the only one that plays basketball and you're the, the short runt of the group. And then by the time I was a senior, I was six, five, and then I grew to six, seven. So I had the last laugh in that one. Uh, mentor wise um you mentioned a lot of people over the years but uh coaching teaching in particular uh some of the people that you've kind of maybe borrowed some ideas coaching philosophies maybe that people that have poured into you when you were young that you took their ideas and philosophies and made it kind of your own and molded it as you became a young coach way back when Absolutely. You know, the first person was a gentleman named Russ Banker, who um, most people wouldn't know who he was, uh, but he was a, a gentleman in, in Monterey Park where I grew up who started a, a basketball, kind of the start of what became club basketball 20 years later. And he would just take local kids and he would just, he would take us to games. He would, uh, you know, just work with us. We're, put it, we were on a team, Monterey Park Monarchs, what we were called. And we traveled all over the place, played games. And he would, he just became such a, a, a person that was so passionate about, about touching young people through sports and, um, and, and really developing a passion for something and going for it. And he was always encouraging. So he was the first one because he really got me on board and, and my friends with, with playing sports and basketball in particular. And in, in high school, um, John Montgomery was my coach at Bishop Amat. Uh, and, and it, it was a great situation there. I, I mentioned I grew a lot, so I was a, I was a point guard as a, as a freshman in high school. And then by the time I was a senior, I could still handle the ball. So I was kind of a, a tall player who could play outside. And then I went to junior college and Neil Edwards, I would definitely say was a, a person who taught me a whole different level of, of basketball. And Neil Edwards was a, a, a very good player at USC in the sixties. Um, but he was very, very tactically oriented, uh, not, and, and I always play, I like to play an up-tempo fast paced game. And he, he was more, he broke it down into detail. And by my sophomore year there, 
I could get any shot I wanted to because he taught me how to read defenders and things like that. And then playing for Bill Mulligan at UCI, uh, Bill was, we led the nation in scoring my junior year, uh, uh, division one. I mean, we, we knocked off UNLV when, when we were ranked in the top 20 for in both years. Um, but Bill was, we were running gun. I mean, it, we ran on a made shot. We ran on a missed shot and uh, it was total freedom. And, uh, and that's what the way I like to play. And so when I became a coach myself, that's kind of what I like to do and what I like to coach. And, and I, I, I think the players like that style. They like to play. It allows you as a coach to play more players because you're, you're exerting more energy. And so um, it was great because that, that's, that became my style as a, we, we were the Mustangs at Tribuco Hills. And I added like you and you put on the running rebels. We became the running Mustangs and people knew when they were playing us, we were coming at you on a made shot. We were coming at you on a missed shot. We're going to push the, push the effort. We're going to be moving. We're going to play a lot of players. And uh, it was fun. It was, it was, and I, that's why in, in my class, I always encourage my students. I said, you know, you, you have to coach to your, your personality, to what you like, what you enjoy and, and be willing to change and adjust, but, but also, you know, be true to yourself. Yeah. Because if you're trying to be, if you're trying to coach like coach X, Y, Z, you're, you're never, people are going to see right through you. You've got to be yourself. And, um, so I, that, that's, you know, those guys all together. And then I went to so many clinics, uh, over the years, we used to go uh, as a staff to, to Las Vegas. There was always a clinic over mother's day weekend before I was married, that worked out. Okay. Uh, and so we would go there as, as kind of a retreat with my, my coaching staff. And we would always pick up some good things from some of the great coaches, uh, collegiate coaches, professional coaches, mostly collegiate, but some high school coaches as well. And, uh, a good coach is a good stealer, and we steal things from from other people, and, and we do the best we can to incorporate those into our system, and um, and we share as well. I mean, men mentorship is huge. It's, it, to, to be a mentor and to seek men mentors um, is a big part of being a successful coach. I'm so glad you brought that up because I'm almost everybody we talk to uh, on this podcast, coaches, uh, administrators, athletic directors. It's always the same thing that stands out with the successful people is they're not afraid to keep learning and not just with a master's degree, uh, but also their sport, uh, basketball, football. They're not afraid to go and learn from somebody at the next level or somebody above them or somebody at another high school or another college. And that, that's what's interesting. I don't think people really grasp is the successful coaches don't just become successful and stop. They continue to learn. They continue to want to figure out things and grab ideas from people. No, I was, it was always impressed upon me that if the, the minute you stop learning, you've, you're falling behind because the good coaches are continuing to learn. So even if you're even with them at one point, when you figure it, you you know it all, they're continuing to go. So you're, you're going to be behind. I know, I think your first podcast was Jason Negro. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Jay, I work with Jason at Tribuco. I actually, uh, was, we hired him as our football coach there. So, wow. uh, yeah. So Jason and I have a, a very, very long relationship and I actually ran into him at the Honda center the other night and we were talking about, uh, an evaluation program that we did that he still does today. And it was uh, something that I came up with because as a teacher, I couldn't evaluate, I couldn't do official evaluations of other teachers contract wise. Okay. So I came up with a system of doing an evaluation without it really saying it was an evaluation and Jason loved it. And we, and so we talked about it. He said, I still do it today. He goes, that's the best evaluation we ever had the evaluation system. And uh, Chad Johnson at, uh, at mission via Hill, Chad was hired by us for his first teaching job at Tribuco. And, 
you know, we've had some, some, uh, he had a great coaching staff, Dan O'Shea, who was at Corona Del Mar, uh, same coaching staff, Kevin Hedick, who is now the head coach at, at uh, Corona Del Mar. So, you know, there, those guys were all part of our staff at, at Tribuco. And, and when I became an AD, I, I took that opportunity to, to do what I did within my basketball program, but, but to now to, to begin to coach coaches and, um, and then this now one step further now at working with athletic directors and uh, principals and so forth. So it's, it's kind of a, it, it's the same thing. It's just, it's just different people. And, 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 yeah. and, the, you know, the language might be a little bit different or the subject matter might be a little bit different. Uh, but, but the, um, th that mentorship is, is so important. Ryder Wolf is our guest here on episode 54 of the Masters in Coaching podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, all right. Uh, you make the jump from coach and teacher to athletic director. Why the decision to take that next step? Well, it, it was there were a couple of things involved. I had been asked a number of times by administrators if I, to get my administrative credential and move into administration, and I never really that wasn't really appealing to me for whatever reason to be an assistant principal or, or to eventually be a principal. Um, but I, I thought athletic director would be a, a good step for me, not knowing really what it entailed, because I remember that when I first took the job, I remember the old ADs, I met him there and he said, you know, here's the keys to the filing cabinet and there's the phone and give me a call if you have any questions <laughs> and then it's like all right here we go you know put your seatbelt on and let's figure this thing out and uh but it was fine and and, and so uh my the other part was my i had been coaching there for 17 years uh i i was coaching and i was the athletic director which was hilarious because all, all my buddies in basketball said oh you're the ad and the boys basketball coach you're going to get all the best best times, practice times, you, you're, oh, you're in charge of it. You all the money, you can get all the uniform. <laughs> they had no idea that it's, it was just the opposite. As the athletic director, you put yourself at the end of the line. Yeah. So I, every, everybody else went first, I went last, but it was, it was funny that, that, that part of it. And so my, uh, at that time I had been coaching for a while and then, and then I was doing the athletic director and I was still teaching PE classes cause it wasn't a full-time AD job. And so my, I just started, I got married, uh, had children, and my daughter was uh, like seven or eight and was recruited into being in, into a club, club soccer. You know all about that through your lacrosse stuff. So club soccer. And, and uh, it, it was just, it was, I told my wife, Linda, who's been just, that, that's the other part you have to have as a supportive wife um, partner who's, who's, who backs you all the way. And I, I'm fortunate to have one of the best. And so when, when we had children and Taylor started, my daughter started playing soccer, it was like, she, my wife worked, I was working. We wanted to, our, our kids were our, our focus. And so it, I stopped, I decided I'm, I'm going to stop coaching, but I wanted to keep, keep the coaching psyche in my head. And that's where I mentioned going into being an athletic director, but really not just, I didn't want to be an AD who's going to make schedules, assign buses, have meetings, and then go home. I, I wanted to have an impact to do something. So the first thing we did is we developed an action plan for our athletic department because we're in the same school district as Mission Viejo High School and Mission Viejo with Bob Johnson and they're, you know, they're attracting good athletes, better athletes than we had. We were losing athletes. And so I know a lot of my coaches were frustrated at Tribuco and they're like, what are you going to do? What can we do about this one? And I said, well, we have no control over who, who the district is going to allow to switch schools. That's that's a non-starter. I said, but what we do have control over is what we do and how we present ourselves. So one of our 
goals of our action plan was we were we were going to legally recruit the local kids by having summer camps, more summer camps than any other three high schools in the district every summer long so that those kids who come to your camp, they develop a relationship with you and they just say, you know, I want to go with, I want to play for Coach Moodhart in volleyball or I want to go play for Coach Negro in football. Right. I had so much fun in their camp. I learned so much as opposed to them, you know, not having no contact and then they, they just go to where the reputation goes. And that worked. It, you know, we had 17, 18 different summer camps year after year. And so this was a part of a whole process that we as coaches, we met, you know, we broke this thing down. We we would go on retreats to Big Bear for a weekend and we each took this was all our whole coaching staff. And so we really, you know, busted everything down and then built it all back up again. And that's when Jason came into the picture and Chad and those guys. And, you know, it was just it was just kind of a confluence of all these these good, positive things going on. Um, and that, and that's, that satisfied me as far as the coaching piece, because I was now being able to coach coaches and it's not always easy because sometimes you have coaches who are brand new, yeah. you know, this is their first coaching experience, the first teaching experience. And you have some who have been coaching for 15, 20 years and they know it all. And yet you're having to try and guide them as well. And so you learn a lot. You, you get a lot of advice. You ask, ask people for advice. Uh, you get involved in the coaching associations or the athletic directors associations, because those become your support staff when, when situations come up. And I think the key piece for any, any school is an, a sport, supportive administration. You have to have a principal assistant principals and the athletic director that are all in alignment. And, you know, I think it's something that, um, has to be done. And, and if you look at the successful schools, that's what they have. They're all in alignment on, on what their goal is for their athletic program. No doubt about it. You, you make the jump to the CIF office, um, been there 15 years, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, this is a, a whopper for question, but have you, what have you seen over the last 15 years? I mean, the dynamic of high school sports uh, has certainly changed over the last 30 years, 20 years. Uh, in the last 15 years, social media, uh, things outside club sports have skyrocketed. Uh, have you seen high school sports though, especially here in Southern California change maybe for the good and for the bad? Well, I think deep down inside, they're the same as they always were, except the, I, I think the, the pieces are different in that. I, unfortunately, I believe that the club, I don't want to call it the mentality, but the, the club idea has bled its way over into the, into the high school sports scene in that, uh, for example, in basketball, in, in a club situation, it would be no big deal that if on a Friday night, my son was playing for a club team and I was got mad at the coach. Uh, he quit on Friday night after that game. And I had him on another team Saturday playing in the same tournament, right. playing against each other and no one would bat an eye. And so we, what we see in, in that translated into high school is that we have this uh, situation where you have students going to three, four high schools, and it's just that that part of it bothers me because I, I, I um, you know, I, I think as coaches, we preach loyalty, right? We want that freshman kid coming in, stick with the program, work hard, you know, and by the time you're a junior or senior, it's going to be your turn. And then all of a sudden now the transfer comes in and the kid who's committed to the, the loyalty that the coach preaches now that loyalty isn't held up, and now the other player comes in and takes the place of the kid who's been in the program. So the displacement part bothers me a lot because I I I know that there are kids out there that 
playing high school sports is going to be the end of the road. 95% of it. That's, that's the end of it. And it just getting, getting their chance. And they, they bought the line of the coaches. They bought the line that, you know, I'm going to be committed. I'm going to, I'm going to work in the off season. I'm going to do the weight training. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And then when it's, when it is their turn, it isn't their turn because the coach has other players now coming in to take, take their place. So I think that has changed the dynamics a lot. I think uh, sometimes the behavior, the fan behavior uh, comes over from that club situation as well. Uh, I think schools have to get, have to get a a hold of that and get a handle on it. And and really as, as part of their culture, what is being a student at our school and being a parent at our school and being a fan at our school, what does that mean? What does that look like? How do we define it? And how do we make sure that people are upholding those standards because we see it and, and you mentioned social media. I mean, it, the minute something happens, it's all over the place. Oh, so yeah. it's, you know, these things may have happened in the past and it, it may have been, you know, held into a small community and, and, or those people who went to the game. Now it's, it's around the world. You know, if, if it's crazy enough, it'll, it'll get enough hits. And, and so th- those types of things, unfortunately, I think that it fuels that, um, that behavior sometimes the storming of the courts and the things like that, that just, they have no place in education based athletics. They're, they're commonplace uh, maybe in a club environment or some other environments, but it shouldn't be in, in high school sports. And so I, I really think that schools need to do a, a better job and continue to focus on, on those types of things uh, within the culture of their, of their campus. No doubt about it. I don't know how it gets solved. I don't know how fast it can get solved, but certainly uh, it is something that needs to be addressed. No it's a doubt. process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's going to involve the athletic directors and coaches uh, setting that tone across the board, not just a few of them uh, across the Southern California, but all the coaches. But uh, your involvement with Concordia's Masters in Coaching and Athletics Administration program, uh, you go back to the beginning. I mean, you go back to – you've been teaching and classes since 2009 and the program has just absolutely taken off and is one of the tops in the country um talk about getting involved first off and, and what you continue to do with them yeah I, I mentioned that i you know the one piece that was missing when i came here was the students i didn't have any students anymore and then when uh, tom white and the uh, folks at concordia started the program um i knew that was something i wanted to get involved with and i had known tom for years uh, being in south county as as he was when he was over at Capitol Valley. And so uh, the opportunity came to get involved in it. And the, and I was teaching a facilities and event management, which is basically what I was doing in my job. And that was fun. And then I remember Tom, the, the new term was starting like in a month. And, he, and Tom said, hey, we have this idea. We want to start some sports specific classes. Do you want to do the basketball class? I said, sure, that'd be, I, I would love it. And he goes, okay, uh, you, we're going to start in a month. And so you got to get all the curriculum together. And I'm like, Oh, really? Okay. So, but it was awesome because I, I wrote it from the perspective of what, what I want to learn, what, what would be the best takeaways for the students who are in my class. And I I've had students from Europe. I've had students in Asia. I've had, had students from all over the country um, in the course. And, you know, they're all, it's, it's so nice as a teacher to have motivated students that they want to be there. They, they want to learn, they want, they want to glean, not just for myself, because I think a lot of the learning that I got in my master's degree program wasn't necessarily professor to student. It was student to student. And so you have all these students together. And originally we were doing a lot more face to face. Now it's, it's a lot of it is online, which I think is awesome because it opens the door to that, uh, a broader uh, array, array of, of students, uh, but it also 
brings people together from different um, levels of coaching. I mean, in my current class, I've, I'm teaching a class for now. We're in the, in the second week of the spring term, and I've got uh, head coaches in the NCAA Division II level, assistant coaches, Division One, middle school coaches, lower level high school coaches, female male coaches i mean it's it's this whole variety so it's 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 a challenge because you can't say okay today we're going to talk about pressing and the division one guy's going oh i kind of know about but the but the middle school guy's going oh yeah i can't wait so 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 it's it's not that easy to talk about a a specific x's and o's because of the the different levels but philosophically there's so much that we're, we're able to cover during the uh the 11 week uh, term that I think helps helps everyone. And the goal is no matter what level they're currently at or where they want to go, that all of their assignments are tailored towards them being at the level they want to be. So right. we they're, they're actually putting together what we call a basketball coaching manual that in practicality, if they applied for a job and someone wanted to know who is this person who's applying for the job, they could give them this work and it would show them exactly you know, calendars, it would have, uh, how, how they teach skills, how they do conditioning, oh, you know, offensive philosophy, defensive philosophy, coaching philosophy, everything is all right there for them. And so that, that made it easy in, in putting that together. Cause that's, that's what, what I felt I got out of my master's degree program. So that's kind of how it evolved. That is fantastic. And you got a few more months on the job with the CIF Southern section. What's the plan after that? I'm not done working, you know, <laughs> uh, this is this, the numbers just line up well for me as between my years of teaching and stirs and purrs and in what I'm in now in my retirement systems. Uh, but I, th I still think I have, I have something to offer. I'm going to stay with Concordia. I might expand what I'm doing with them as well. Maybe some other classes or get involved uh, some with, with Jim Kunau and, and the program in that regard. Uh, but I also have some ideas about uh, doing consulting. You know, some of the things that we've talked about today where I, I think, I would love to be able to go to school districts or schools and, you know, do an evaluation of, of the athletic programs and say, you know, here's, here are some strengths, here's some weaknesses, here's some suggestions being, being a neutral person, you know, someone who's, I'm just coming in from the outside. I have no agenda. This is, this is, you know, this is what I see. And, you know, so there, there's an idea there I'm, uh, I'm looking into and uh, but something like that. I, I don't necessarily want to punch a clock coming in at a certain time and leaving at a certain time, but more on my own schedule and and uh, you know, do some traveling and things like that. Well, we appreciate the time. We appreciate the conversation. Um, just a, a great career in education and teaching and coaching, uh, successful at every level. And uh, I know it's going to be a, a big void at the CIF Southern Section with yourself and Rob Wygod, uh, both leaving and moving on to different chapters of your life. But uh, again, thank you so much for, for everything you've done for, for high school athletics and, and teaching. And uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Tim. I really enjoyed it. And thank you for having me. Well, there he goes, Reiner Wolf, the assistant athletic director of the CIF Southern Section. He is retiring this summer. Best wishes to him. What a great career teaching, coaching, athletic director at Tribuco Hills, where he hired young coaches who now turned into some of the most successful high school football coaches in Southern California. He's been with the CIF Southern Section for the last 15 years, working with Rob Wygod, running high school sports 
here in Southern California. Done a great job helping oversee everything and run things, even through COVID. We appreciate his time and certainly what a great career he has had. Again, if you want to find out more about the Masters in Coaching and Athletics Administration program at Concordia University, Irvine, you can take Reiner's courses. He teaches there a couple of classes, as you heard. CUI.edu slash coaching. Again, that's CUI.edu slash coaching. Find out more about the $1,000 scholarship for first-time students. Look into it. See if it's a fit for you and your schedule, which I know it will be. You can do courses online or in person. CUI.edu slash coaching. All right. Thanks to Reiner. Thanks to you for listening. Until next time, episode 54 is in the books. So long, everybody. Sports fans, it's no secret that working in the front office of a professional sports team is an extremely sought-after job. If your dream is working in sports and a career you love, a master's in sports business from Concordia University, Irvine, can make it happen. Whether as an agent, analyst, in the front office, or as a sports media pro, you can get your degree in less than two years. This program is second to none. Listen to legendary agent Lee Steinberg. If you go to Concordia, get the master's. They have a network of people that can help you succeed professionally and the skill set to make sure that you're a major success in sports business. The spring two session starts on March 4th. There are six start times a year and new students get $1,000 off. You want that Concordia diploma on your wall and your life will be a success. College grads, don't wait. Enroll for the March 4th Spring 2 session now at cui.edu slash sports, cui.edu slash sports. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.